Welcome to our podcast for College Catholics, where we discuss faith and spirituality from a Catholic perspective. I'm Father Patrick. You have probably heard of a squirrel suit or a wingsuit. I'm not sure if you've even seen a video, uh, a video clip of how a man can basically uh, fly with these suits. Of course, they are always gliding downwards, but my point is that if a person would jump off a helicopter with just their human physical abilities with one of without one of these suits, they would simply drop straight down and they wouldn't be able to, to tell the story. Instead, with one of those wingsuits, they are able to glide for quite some time and cover an incredible distance and even do tricks in the air and so forth. My point is that by putting on this simple suit provides the person with new capabilities and give them basically the power to fly a power that the person did not have previously. And that is a very distant example, but it could be taken used as an example, of what happens in the sacrament of baptism. In baptism, we receive a whole new supernatural being. So not only are our sins forgiven, together with the temporal punishment due to those sins, not only are we made members of the church and children of God, but we are made partakers of the divine nature and we receive an entire supernatural being, a supernatural organism with its infused virtues, which include the theological virtues, and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. In the last episode, I spoke about the infused virtues and today we will start speaking about the three theological virtues. The theological virtues adapt human they are added on to us it's a supernatural entity or thing and they adapt our human nature they elevate our intelligence they elevate our will so that we can share in the divine nature and soar uh, and, and start performing supernatural actions that is they give us the possibility to do acts of faith hope and love or charity in the level of god in a divine level we could say we are given the possibility of making supernatural acts that have God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit as their origin, their motive or reason, and also their object or final goal. So with these three theological virtues, God becomes the motive of your actions, the reason for your actions, and the purpose of your actions. Besides, Thanks to the divine grace, that supernatural being, our acts have eternal value, or what we could call also eternal merit. They build up for us a treasure in heaven. And that is what St. Paul meant when he wrote to the uh, Corinthians, the second letter to the Corinthians, chapter 13, verse 2. He says, If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to move mountains, but not have love, I am nothing. If I give away all that I have, and if I deliver my body to be burned, but not have love, I gain nothing. That is, all, is po uh, all the possible good works that I might do without love, which is the infused virtue, or in other words, if I don't have the grace of God with me, 
that supernatural being with its infused virtues, then all those good works, which are still good in themselves, have no value for eternal life. They are still good works. They can still help other people. But they are of very little value compared to the fact of having the grace of God and doing those same actions with the grace of God. Because otherwise, my actions are limited only to the natural level, to the here and now. Instead, with the grace of God, with love, with charity, they have an eternal an eternal or infinite value, we could say. This is why the Catechism says the following about the infused theological virtues. The Catechism says that the virtues, these theological virtues, are infused by God into the souls of the faithful to make them capable of acting as his children and of meriting eternal life. They are the pledge of the presence and the action of the Holy Spirit and the faculties of the human being. Up to there, the Catechism. So these three theological virtues are faith, hope, and charity, or love. In theology, love and charity are the same thing. In this case, charity means love in its more perfect meaning. Love in so much as it is a participation in the love of God. And one of the unique things of these three theological virtues is that you can always grow more and more in the depths or the power or the strength of those virtues. That is, you can always believe more intensely. You can always hope more firmly and love more ardently. And this gives you a constant scope to grow indefinitely until you reach heaven where only love will remain and that love, that charity in heaven will unite, will unite you perfectly with God. So in this episode, we will focus a little bit more on the theological virtue of faith. To begin with, I'd like to let you or remind you that uh, I've spoken already more in depth about the virtue of faith in episodes 11, 12, 13, and 15 of this same podcast. So I'd encourage you to listen to those after finishing this episode. Episodes 11, 12, 13, and 15. I speak about the virtue of faith. So now let us look at the nature of faith. It is a theological virtue infused by God at the moment of baptism that enables us to believe in God and believe in everything that God has said and revealed to us through Jesus Christ. Everything that the Holy Church at the same time presents to us as taught by God. And we accept these things because the authority of God is the one who reveals. God who cannot be deceived and cannot lie to us because he is God himself. So I'll try to explain this a little bit more as there's a lot of content in that description or definition. So the act of faith is an act of our intelligence by which we accept something that someone else has sent to us, which we cannot confirm by our own efforts. So in that sense, there's a natural faith that we have to, uh, in other human beings and a supernatural faith that we have in God. Most people in this world, almost everyone, exercises some type of natural faith at some point. Just as an example, 
if you order a particular medication for asthma and then you go to the pharmacy to pick it up, you simply believe in the pharmacist that is giving you the medication, you buy the medication and actually take it without questioning too much whether that medication is a real cure for your asthma. Through an act of natural faith, you accept the witness of the pharmacist that tells you that the container you purchased has the correct medication. And through another act of natural faith, you accept that that medication will surely heal momentarily your asthma attack. So the reason why you accept those, if you do, right? So the reason why you would accept those statements is because the people have a certain authority. The pharmacist, the doctor, have a certain authority. They know more than you do, and you trust that they won't be lying. So that is a natural faith because the content of those truths are from this natural world and because the persons who are stating those things are human beings. And you only need human reasons to perform that act of human faith. However, when the content of the act of faith is a divinely revealed truth, and when the one whom I'm trusting is God himself, and when the authority of that person has the authority of God, who cannot be deceived, nor can he lie to you, then the faith is now a supernatural faith. And if you're in the state of grace, the act of faith has eternal value. It has merit for eternal life. So what is important to know is that if you have received baptism and have the virtue of faith but later sinned mortally and lost the state of grace, while you have lost the virtue of charity, you haven't completely lost your faith. Faith remains in you, but somewhat like dead. It is a faith that is not informed or enlivened by charity. It is no longer meritorious for eternal life until you recover the state of grace through, for example, through confession. So one of the key aspects of the act of faith is that it is an act of the mind, moved by the will and the grace of God. It is the mind that assents to the truths that were told to you, in this case, by Jesus Christ and the church. Now, the reason why the mind gives its assent to those truths is that God is the one who says those truths. You don't accept them with faith because you think it makes sense, but because the authority of God is the one who reveals, and he cannot be deceived, nor can he deceive you. So because of this, when there's a true faith, that faith is certain, it is firm, because it depends on, on the authority of God, who is the truth. And it should be complete, not only certain, but also complete or integral. That is, you shouldn't accept only some truths and reject some other ones that you don't agree with. Because in that case, the reason why you believe is no longer the authority of God, but your own reason, your own ideas. And therefore, it is no longer supernatural faith. It is your belief or your philosophy, your way of thinking, or what you accept with your own reason. Another element of the true virtue of faith 
when it is true and sincerely founded on the authority of God who reveals, is that it shouldn't depend so much on external signs to be strong. Although external signs will always help, like miracles and so forth, it wouldn't be primarily based on those external signs. Nor should it be weaker in the times of spiritual desolation or in times when we don't feel anything in prayer. So if you have faith, but when you are, and that faith is strong, when you go to pray and you don't feel anything, you would still have the same faith because it wouldn't be dependent on those consolations. On the contrary, the true virtue of faith should be strengthened and actually is more meritorious when there are difficulties or when when you don't feel too much when you go to pray, when it seems that God is not speaking to you. In a word, faith is purified in moments of trial. Faith is purified in moments of temptation and moments of suffering. As the saying goes, a fervent thanks be to God in a moment of suffering or spiritual dryness or temptation is worth a thousand thank you God in moments of consolation when we have a comfortable life and human success. So my faith is or my Love for God is more virtuous when things are difficult and when I don't have consolations than when things are easy and I have all the consolations of the world. So now let us look at some uh, necessary consequences of the virtue of faith. When I have the virtue of faith, there are some reasonable things that, that are to be expected as a consequence of that faith. And what are those? Well, once you have embraced the faith, it is necessary that you keep it and persevere in it to the end. Besides, you have the obligation to continue to grow in the knowledge and deeper understanding of what God has revealed and its consequences for your life. You must also profess your faith, that is, to state it before others in some way or another, right? And help to spread the faith, that is, to give witness to your faith by word, that is, by sharing your faith, and by example. Remember that you are a channel chosen by God to transmit the faith to many others. You have been called through baptism and through confirmation to be an apostle, to help spread the kingdom of Christ. You have been called to be a soldier of Christ. And to do that, You have to pray for those whom you want to reach out to. You have to give good advice when necessary, and above all, give a good example or be a witness to your faith through the way that you live. As the saying goes, action speaks louder than words. So this confession of your faith through your words and through your way of living will require many times that you embrace the cross of Christ in your life. A cross that comes into your life, perhaps, as an interior difficulty, or an illness, or any type of suffering. And perhaps it comes in the form of persecution for the sake of Christ. And persecution is like the culmination, or embracing, or accepting persecution, and persevering in it, is the culmination of your faith. So service to our neighbor 
and witness to the faith are elements that are necessary for salvation. A faith that is not accompanied by works, perseverance, and witness is dead, as St. James says in his letter, chapter 2, verse 26. As Christ says in the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 10, verses 32 and 33, and I quote, Whoever acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny before the Father who is in heaven. End quote. Now, to make all this theory about faith a little, bit, a little bit more applicable to your life, one way of living out your faith could be to habitually make an effort to learn and deepen your Catholic faith through reading or study, or to listen to a good podcast that helps you grow in your faith. That is a simple way to exercise your faith and to deepen your faith. Another way would be to do a daily time of meditation, maybe just 15 minutes, even when you don't feel any consolation or anything at all, but reflect on the truths of faith and persevere in that time of prayer. You could also try to witness to your faith among your friends proactively. That is, uh, not to wait until they ask you about your faith, but take the initiative to share your faith in one way or another. You never know. Uh, more than one person may be asking himself about the faith, and you could be the reason to help your friend find the true answers. The answers inspired in the gospel and in the Catholic faith. A final way to practice your faith could be to volunteer at your local parish or the Catholic club at your school, or to start a Catholic weekly study group, or to invite some of your friends to pray the rosary with you once a week, or something like that. Well, so those are very simple ways to start practicing and deepening your faith. I hope you can take courage and try to grow in the practice of your faith, given witness to Christ. And I can assure you, you will be filled with interior joy. And when the last day of your life comes, you will encounter Christ, who will give witness to you before God the Father. So thank you for sharing this time with me while we reflected on these treasures of the virtue of faith. I hope you can share this episode with your friends. And if you can, please leave a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. May God bless you. And we will see you next time.